Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by betonline.ag. Did somebody say playoffs? That's right, I just did, because the NBA and NHL, they are in full swing in their playoff mode right now, and the MLB, it's already in the second half of the season, and our partners at betonline.ag have got you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome, everyone, to the Believe in Betting Chicago pod. We're talking White Sox here today, and I just want to welcome you all aboard Chicago Flight Sox, if you will. We're going to be traveling at an exit velocity of over 100 miles an hour at a distance of 400 feet and farther so your in-flight entertainment today first on the pod he's showing you where all the exits are and they're all pointing towards the playoffs it's nick morowski how are you my friend hey joey man i'm i'm doing great uh you know uh, to timestamp it we're sitting here a couple hours from this big twins series uh so I, i'm a little nervous but uh it feels good to be in this situation as a fan haven't felt it in a while We've been thinking about this series since opening day after they whipped our ass, and now we're here and we're actually in a great spot. Also joining us on the pod today, when the light goes off, he's going to be coming around with a cart of some mancadas, maybe a packet of Eloy's, maybe some Abreu's, and of course those salted madrigals. It's Pat Reedy. What's up, my friend? What's going on, my friend? Watch out for those mancadas because they are spicy. They are uh, spicy. Yes. <laughs> they don't stay in the lineup every single day, but they That's will right. The White Sox are in first place, Joey. It's uh, hard to feel anything but happy, so it's great. It's pretty incredible, and honestly, we've had the White Sox teams in first place over you know the last 10, 15 years. Obviously, it's been a long time since we've been over 500, but this team, there's just something about it, the excitement, the buzz, everything trending in the right direction. Let's just start with the news of the day. We're going to go to you, Nick. You're going to bat lead off on this one. Sox did nothing at the trade deadline, got close, it looks like, on a couple of deals, but nothing came to fruition. Sad, mad, glad that nothing, nothing's coming in uh, outside reinforcements. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's difficult uh, to say that I'm, I'm sad because I didn't know what, you know, these scouts were or these MLB executives were asking from our organization. You know, I sometimes... When the trade deadline comes around, I pretend like I'm not thinking like other MLB executives. These guys don't want Collins. They don't want Adolfo. They, they don't want Berger. You know, I'm like, hey, hey, how about these guys over here? They're nice. They want Dunning. They want Kopech. They might want Cease. And after you saw what Dunning did the other day, I'm okay with what the Sox have pitching. Uh, I'd like to see another Pensman in there, maybe a lefty. Uh, but the fact that the Twins didn't do anything, Cleveland got rid of Clevenger, got him out of the AL. I'm okay. I, I'm okay right now. Usually this time of year for Kenny Williams is when he pulls out the, the old baseball cards and he goes, mm, Manny Ramirez or uh, Ken Griffey Jr. I was half waiting for Miggy Cabrera to end up on the White Sox, some sort of old star, but we're in a new era right now. Pat, I want to get your reaction to this too as well. Sox stand pat at the break. Were you looking for something to happen? Or are you kind of glad they didn't move some of their big pieces uh, prospect-wise like Nick was talking about? Honestly, I'm so happy they didn't make a move. And this feels different to me because of the presence of Rick Hahn. 
I think if, like we were saying, if this was Kenny, he is taking his 1996 baseball card collection and he's grabbing a star from that era. But I think Rick's smart enough to sit pat and he knows what he has. And I think, you know, trying, people trying to get guys, they know that we have the treasure chest right now. And so they're going to be asking for everything. And so I'd rather sit pat. I love this baseball team. I'd like to see what they can do and not shipping guys out when they could become, I already got to watch Tatis and it makes me insane. So, you know, for shields. So I'm glad we didn't make the move. That is a great point because everyone that's mad out there that we don't have a Lance Lynn on our baseball team right now, look no further than just a couple of years ago. Like you said, James Shields for Fernando Tatis. And look where we're sort of at with that. I mean, we have so, – uh, can you even imagine this White Sox team oh. if we had Fernando Tatis in the middle of this lineup that is already hitting bombs all over the place? And, yeah, when the rumors came out that Lance Lynn, they were going to be asking for Michael Kopech based on the fact that Lance Lynn is, you know, pumping 97 and he's only worth $8 million next year. That sort of smells like something that the Cubs did a couple of years ago with Jose Quintana. And we all know how that's working out on the south side. I'm glad they didn't make that move. And you're right, looking at Dunning just the other day, you know, it, it looks like something that, you know, maybe we don't have all the horses this year, but we're still pretty damn good. And when guys like Magical come back and are getting multi-hits in a game here, and then Dane Dunning comes up and he does his thing, we got more guys coming that can still produce a little bit. I mean, Nick, let's maybe start with the starting rotation. We got Giolito going tonight. I want to get to him in a second. Keichel's the veteran. How do you feel right now about that back half rotation? It doesn't feel great. We didn't make a move at the deadline, but what do you see moving forward for that side? It's a little shaky. I mean, Gonzalez is hurt right now. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have no confidence in Ronaldo Lopez. I mean, he's a thrower. He's not a pitcher right now. He doesn't mix up speeds. He just throws the ball hard. And these uh, Major League Baseball players can sit on it and hit it. Does that matter for the playoffs? I don't know. I'm very confident right now in Giolito, Keiko, who's Mr. Consistent, and Cease. And now you add Dunning in, which you're starting to get a larger sample size from this guy. And what he's doing with the baseball, I mean, he looks really confident too. And he's been around for a while. Uh, so I'm a little, I'm shaky with like four or five, but is that a worry in the postseason? I don't see that as a scenario, especially in that first round with the expanded playoffs, because I believe it's going to be a three-game series to start. And you got your top dogs pitching pretty well right now, and if they can continue doing that. Pat, question for you. Can Ricky Renteria pitch Cordero every day? <sighs> can he try? Um, I, I, you know, and we're, I want to give praise to Ricky Renteria, but, man, this bullpen, it's still a little bit in flux, right? Guys are stepping up and doing the job, but it seems like Cordero's arm is going to fall off before the time we get to Labor Day. And get, you know, get the guy a sleeveless tee or something. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't know who to blame. I want to blame Ricky, but also he doesn't have the horses right now. So it's hard to blame him. Like Nick was saying, would I have liked to see a lefty arm come to the pen at this trade deadline? Yeah, that would have been really great. But um, I, I want to blame Ricky, but then you look at what, his options are and maybe he's just doing the best with what he can right now. And I, I don't know that. And I want to give praise to Ricky Renteria because they're winning baseball games. And honestly, if you want to point to something, you know, we were talking earlier in the season, the first 10 games, we were looking at these lineups and being like, what the hell is going on? That has sort of kind of evened itself out a little bit, a couple changes here and there. Eloy and Moncada have kind of flipped a little bit over the last week and it's worked, but you're in that catch 22 situation as a manager, right? You're trying to win some games. 
while at the same time you're trying not to burn out your guys. But, you know, at this point now, it's, it's get it and go. Go ahead, Pat. You got to give Ricky credit for this. These guys are having fun playing baseball. And that is a major deal for a team. I mean, we saw it in 2005. That team loved hanging out. They probably wanted AJ and Creedy to go do their own thing a little more often. But that team all hung out. This team looks like it's having fun. Sometimes Aloy is having a little too much fun for my liking, uh, where I think he's going to injure himself in a myriad of ways, apparently. Uh, but I think some credit has to go to Ricky for that because this is – he gives them the space to do that, to have fun, to bring the joy to the game, to let those guys be exactly who they are. And I think he needs credit for that. Follow up, Pat. You're a father. Does Eloy ever feel like you're at the park and you're trying to keep one eye on your kid and one eye on a conversation? And he sort of makes his way towards, he starts climbing a tree and you're just like, you kind of sniff out trouble before it even happens. Honestly, God, it just feels like, buddy, come back, come back. Just like mentally. I want to tell that to Eloy all the time. The jumping into the net stuff makes me crazy. This team doesn't make me scream at my TV as much as White Sox teams have passed, but he does. He like now I did see during the celebration they're kind of keeping him on the outskirts of the you know uh, everybody jumping together at home base because it's like he can't be trusted, and so he is like the toddler you can't trust to let out of your sight in some ways. But then he comes up and mashes baseballs, and I uh, love him all over again. So. Get a helmet on this guy for crying out loud. Oh yeah, he Lord. made he made a sliding catch the other day and I was borderline mad at him that he was doing it. Hop in, Nick. I, I was saying there implement that uh, that little golf cart and after three outs, uh, you can taxi him in from left field, just kind of like a Pope mobile, perhaps, uh, just to avoid any just, you know, excited runs into the dugout. I also was thinking some of those fluorescent uh uh, friction strips that you would put on the steps, you know, just to glare just to so guide him in. The steps are going down into to the dugout. Yeah, all for Chicago Flight Sox. You got to bring this guy into the dugout and out of the dugout safely. And you guys are hitting on the head with this team having fun. You know, Jose Abreu has been on the team for about four or five years. I've never seen him smile so much. Um, a little, little scary with the tobacco stained chompers. I'll, I'll be honest with you, but. I mean, the guys, the guys all gums and teeth all season long. You can definitely tell this team's having a great time. And Abreu is certainly leading the charge. Before we get to the offense, because we got tons to talk about, about that, I just want to talk and get your guys' opinion on Dylan Cease so far. He'll come out, look pretty solid for a couple starts. Control's definitely an issue. The numbers look decent, but the advanced numbers are really scary. Like expected runs, ERA, I think, is over six. Do you think he can hold on? Do you think this is a place where this rookie can improve? Or do you think this could possibly be a situation where there might be a bit of a regression, a bit of a wake-up call coming for a young pitcher who's kind of dancing with, dancing with fire just a little bit here right now? Pat, you want to hop in? I think Stoney, by the way, this entire season, I think Stoney has just been unbelievable. He's awake. I've, he's awake from his coma. Oh he's alive. Oh, my gosh. He's, talk about a guy who's having fun at the ballpark again. Stone might also be on that list, not just the players. But he hit it on the head. I mean, he was talking, uh, talking about him saying – He's throwing, but he's not thinking about how to throw. It's like he's pitching the stuff that he thinks is his good pitch versus what's the appropriate pitch in this at bat? What's the right pitch to get this guy out? Instead, he's going, well, my uh, you know, high fastball is my best pitch right now. I'm going to throw that instead of what's right in the situation. And I think once he can figure that out, I think he's going to be a lot better. But he makes me nervous when he's on the mound. 
yeah, you get through the first couple of innings, he's pumping 97, you're feeling pretty good. And then, man, it really just takes one batter, right? In that third or fourth inning, he can kind of lose his control a little bit, you know, get a little bit off of his game. You know, Nick, do you see this as a situation that Pat's talking about where it is a bit more of a selection, trusting your stuff? Do you think it's a little bit of a mental thing of just learning the game right now? What do you see from Dylan Cease? Let's just say moving forward, because what we've seen has been pretty decent, but a little mixed. Yeah, he's a strikeout pitcher. And what happens with a strikeout pitcher, he's going to throw a lot of pitches. He works counts 3-1, 3-2. And, uh, what, you know, and he has long at-bats, too, because he is throwing hard. And, and hitters are falling off those pitches. So you're seeing like six, seven pitch at-bats. I think, you know, he's going to have to develop some wipeout stuff. Uh, the, the overpowering constantly can't be the go-to. But yeah, you know, what Pat said, echoing Stoney, who is smart beyond smart when it comes to pitching, you know, it, it, it's about working in and out in your spots and, and maybe even developing just a more comfortable rapport with your battery, uh, watching, you know, some tape on, on your arm angle, your slot. A guy like Gio, Giolito is an awesome reference to have in the dugout. I, I'm not too worried about him to in, in all honesty, I think he's going to be okay. I've, I've really enjoyed the maturation from last year to this year with a guy like Cease. Well, talk about a dude that's taken a leap as opposed to what Ronaldo Lopez has failed to do at this point. Their stuff isn't that different. There is a comparable in terms of velocity, in terms of stuff. But for some reason, Dylan Cease has been able to locate the fastball a little bit better. And it's so funny, right? The dude's pumping 97. But 97 doesn't blow people away anymore. And that's a great point you brought up, Nick, that they're falling off these pitches. When he's going up in the zone, they're able to at least extend these counts and make this guy continue to be perfect throughout the bat and just sort of waiting around for a mistake. And I'm with you. There is going to come a time when he's going to have to probably work a little bit more efficiently and more um, economically. I want to hit on Giolito because he's going tonight. And let's preview this White Sox twin series right now. We got a bunch up at the top of the, of the AL Central, you know, Royals and Tigers on the bottom, but it's Indians, Twins, White Sox. It's all fair game right now. We're heading in with tons of momentum. For those of you that might have forgotten, because it's been a little while, and if you haven't, I have, I'll forgive you, but you know, the Twins just really beat us up pretty, pretty solidly those first three games of the season, hitting balls all over the yard. They are. It's going to be power versus power in this series. Giolito going tonight. Pat, you know, what are you looking forward to watching? What do you think the key is to this series just from a White Sox perspective? I mean, it's exciting to see a guy completely come together. And it does feel that way because he had a couple of starts earlier in the season where you're like, oh, no, we're, we're not there. You know, there's a little bit of regression. And then the way he was throwing the ball the other day, I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, got a text uh, from you guys and from a couple of family members around the sixth inning. They're like, you watching this? And uh, a game against the Pirates, normally one I might take off. Uh, but it was unbelievable. I'm looking for more of it. I think he's got confidence in his catcher, and uh, that's a big deal, as we saw during his last start. Yeah, it's usually a load management day for Pat Reedy uh, when they play <laughs> the Pirates. That's usually a day that you hit the ice tub, and you just kick back. You kick back and relax. That Giolito start, what can you say, right? I mean, there's so many amazing stats out there that just really make you shake your head. The second highest swing and misses in a single game behind Nolan Ryan's 31. Giolito had 30. It was the highest game score, a 99 game score since Wilbur Wood in 1974. This just wasn't a no-hitter. This was a dominant, dominant performance. And I'm with you now. I'm really interested to see the encore performance. I'm not looking for 13 Ks and a no-hitter. 
but I am looking for Giolito to, you know, you know, let's be honest, whip his dick out, put it on the table and go, I am the ace of this staff. Take a look, Twinkies, and, and shut these guys down tonight. Nick, what are you looking for from Giolito tonight and perhaps keys to this series coming up? Well, I think he's got a, you know, first ball strike or at least uh, keep them off balance because the last uh, time he faced them, which was opening day, they were sitting dead red on fastballs and he didn't have a lot of movement. He wasn't mixing things up. You know, they're going to look at his tape from the Pirates game and they're going to see that he danced the ball around. I mean, he shook off McCann maybe once and that relationship that they have now it's rock solid. It's, it's just, it's just amazing. The faith that the organization has in Giolito and that he now has in himself, uh, it's going to be a completely different game. I believe at least the mental approach um, and the X's and O's, so to speak of how they're going to go after the twins. It, this is, this is such a fun series because it's like a different, it's like a completely different team that they're now facing uh, the twins with. Pat, hop back in. Yeah, and he did say that he only uh, called off McCann once. It was like some pitch in the fifth. But McCann was doing – talk about uh, – Nick was saying kind of mixing it up and uh, doing pitches that people may not be expecting. He said McCann at one point called for five changeups in a row. And they're just – they were messing with batters' heads. And I think that's the kind of stuff that an ace goes, yeah, I got this. And that's what he kind of showed us that night against Pittsburgh. Nick, hop back in. Just, just, and also some just more love for Renteria. Uh, if you listen to Giolito's postgame or read his comments, he had nothing but amazing things to say, not only about McCann and his teammates, but the confidence that Renteria gave him in, in 2018, saying, you know what, man, buck up. You've got the stuff. You are going to be an all-star someday. And that's what happened last year. And then little do we know, he, he's throwing a no-hitter now. And shut my mouth on Renteria earlier this season. I was – saying there's a lot of pressure on him. I said that the jury was out. You know, great guy, good developmental coach, but can he actually begin winning baseball games? And now that the White Sox are beginning to put that together, I got to be honest, it might be a situation where, you know, Ricky's grown up with these guys alongside of them, and he's growing into his own as well. Again, still early, but we are getting a little bit of that taste of not only these players responding to him, but this team is coming together. He seems to be pushing the right buttons, and, man, this Sox twin series, you can say what you want about past year's White Sox attendance, all this other crap, but tonight is a night where I think guaranteed rate field would be packed and it would be in an electric atmosphere once you got off the red line at 35th Street. And it, obviously that is a shame and everything, but I think tonight is a really interesting test, you know, for Renteria, the momentum of these White Sox right now. You know, I'm not saying you got to sweep them and beat them by 10 runs every single game, but I think two out of three would be pretty nice and a nice little statement, especially winning tonight with your ace on the mound, Giolito, coming in there and being like, hey, you know, we're not going away. The Indians got rid of guys today. It's not like that they're adding on. Hop in, Pat. Yeah, and talk about two offenses that can mash the ball. I mean, this series on offense alone will be fun to watch. Even if you just like baseball, you're not a fan of either of these teams from either of these cities. I mean, the Twinkies can absolutely mash. And I think the Sox have shown more and more as the season's going along, we're right there with them. I feel like I know they're way younger, way less experienced, but oh my Lord, it has been some fun baseball to watch on the offensive end. Incredible. Up and down the lineup. You still got Tim Anderson hitting 360 something, looking to grab his second AL batting crown. You know, Mankata has been a little up and down this season, but it hasn't even mattered, right? I swear when Eloy 
and Robert hit a ball in the air. You're listening to the sound, right? But, you know, we've watched so many baseball games, and you kind of feel the trajectory, you know, plus the sound equals whether it's a home run or not. And I swear, Eloy and Robert sometimes hit these balls that look like they're going to be fly balls, and they just keep traveling and traveling and traveling. Center field, right field, it doesn't matter. The power on this team is long up and down the lineup. Go ahead, Pat. Well, that was the game winner with Robert. It looked like a Frank Thomas flat-footed, just one arm out extended that looks like a fly ball for most guys, but because of the power of Frank and the power of Robert, gone. Yeah, and Hawk goes, just got under a dick, gum it, you know, and it dies at the track. Instead, this thing is floating into, into our, our, own, our own bullpen. It's incredible. Nick, hop in. Yeah, an effortless home run that, that came after an intentional walk to Abreu uh, to get to McCann and then McCann swinging a hot bat. And then what do you, you, you got to be careful with McCann because then you've got Robert. It, it's just a testament to the, how this lineup is. There are no off periods in this lineup. And I'm with you guys as a fan, anytime Robert comes up and he's, sw- and he has a ball in the zone, a pitch to drive, I'm automatically saying this thing's going into the gap or it's going to be, you know, way out into the bleachers. His he is, coverage he is, is awesome. Unbelievable. He is appointment viewing right now. If he is on the TV, you have to stop what you're doing or, you know, pause it and go back to it because he is absolutely unbelievable to watch right now. And even like guys like Madrigal coming back, which I did see his slide into third, which I I thought that was pretty cool. The guy got injured on a slide into third and his first game back from it goes first to third and has the guts to go ahead and slide in and went completely on his ass, put his hands up in the air so he doesn't mess up his shoulder again. But I really, he feels like, a Patriots wide receiver, one of those really tiny Wes Welker types where he's just going to get the job done. It's not going to be pretty. There's going to be some duck snorts that are going to drop, but a a guy that I think White Sox fans are going to be able to get behind real quick. Yeah. I think a few more at bats, he could become a fan favorite really quickly and a dude at the bottom of the lineup. I want to ask you guys just in general, what do you think has been just the biggest surprise? We came into the season with a lot of hope. We were excited to watch all these young players, all this potential, but what has surprised you the most? And I'm going to go first on this one, because for me, it has been second base. And when we first got together with this preview pod, talking about what we wanted to see, you know, we were thinking, you know, Lurie Garcia at second base, you know, let's see what Madrigal's got sort of work him in. And, and look, Lurie got hurt. And not only has Danny Mendick come in and added some surprising little pop. I know he had 17 home runs last year in the minor leagues, but still, you know, hitting the ball fairly sharply. He, I think he has done the job. Now we have Madrigal coming in. He, well, he got three hits the other day. He's going to get some more lines, some more work there. And I just sort of looked at that lineup and be like, man, this lineup top to bottom is going to look awesome. But second base, I don't know. It could be a little bit of a soft spot. I thought they've done an excellent job just sort of as a complimentary mix and match situation, shoring up that position. And I just think that enhances their lineup even further because they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But that position specifically, I think, has been one of the biggest surprises for me. For you guys, what is it, any single spot on the team that's just been, well, I just didn't really think it would be that good or maybe you were pleasantly surprised. Pat, go first. For me, and it's because of a a lack of knowledge to that point, all we heard about Robert, or at least all I heard about Robert, was about his offense. To see that guy play some center field has been enlightening to me. He has showed so much range, so much intelligence. Um, And as Steve was talking about the other day on the broadcast, you can have a guy like Aloy out in left field playing an okay left field defensively because you got Robert there to back him up. 
Um, so that has been absolutely stunning to me. I knew he was going to have a hot bat, but to watch his defense the way it's been, it's just been really fun to watch. He literally looks like he prowls center field on a Segway. He glides. It's, it's incredible, that type of speed. Did really enjoy him stealing some bases earlier on in the season. I know that's kind of like, that's kind of cooled off a little bit. But, man, what can't the dude do is really the question right now. And do I have a La Pantera 88 T-shirt that was $13, 65% off on Fans Edge coming to my place? Yes, I do. I do have one coming. I'm very excited about it. Nick, for you, what has been the most um, pleasant surprise or just a general surprise about this team that, what, is 20 and 14 right now? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go pitching. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to get from Keuchel. I was really happy with the move. Like, they threw money at a veteran-established uh, pitcher with the hardware. But, you know, I didn't know how much has he got left in the tank. Um, he has really surprised me. He's been consistent. He's been an anchor to the staff when there has been some shaky moments. And he has been a team leader, a team leader. He's come out as a new guy, new kid on the block, and has, has piped up and said, hey, this isn't how a winning team plays. We've got more talent than this. And that really shocked me because it hasn't happened on this uh, or in this organization in a, for a while. And I think we talked about it the last time you were on the pod, Nick, was yeah. I think that the whole season sort of turned around after those Keiko comments, right? And at the time, mm -hmm. my personal take on it was I was a little skeptical because I was right there with you, veteran that sat out last year because he didn't get paid, finally got paid this year, won a Young four or five years ago, so he's got the resume, but where is he now? And he has been by far the most consistent starter per start, getting ground balls. And then he makes those comments. And at first I was like, all right, well, of course, the starting pitcher is going to be pissed about the lack of effort on the day that he pitches. Not a big surprise. But you came back and you said that, that you thought it was a broader, a broader comment on what he was just seeing from the clubhouse, that he had seen winners before. And what he's seeing, he didn't like, especially particularly that effort that day. And, man, look at what has just happened since that time. I mean, we are not a perfect baseball team by any means, but I just think that we've played with more, um, a more concentration, more effort. Jose Abreu getting super hot and hitting seven home runs in five days is always kind of nice. Uh, you'll always take that every day of the week. But I'm with you on Keiko. So far to this point, it's been a fantastic signing. He's definitely acclimated himself to the clubhouse very quickly, and I think he's definitely ascended. Uh, very rapidly to one of the biggest leaders on this team right now. Nick, hop back in. If I could put just at one offensive surprise, and, and, and I'm ashamed to admit it, I thought there might be a, a slump by Tim Anderson. And without his offense in this lineup, it's not the same team. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised personally that he's been able to double down on what he did last year. And I think now we've got a sample size from this guy saying this guy could be an offensive leader too unbelievable and I think at the beginning of the season you know if he hit 295 you're like okay regression but still I'll take it this dude is even perhaps taking it to another level Pat I want to hear your thoughts on Tim Anderson let's just gush about the dude for a second because guy homegrown in the organization when the Sox were terrible and sucked the last six seven years you heard about this guy coming up the pipe you'd heard it before with other White Sox prospects that never worked out this guy has and he's only gotten better Amazing leader, super fun to watch. And, man, the dude hits everything in sight and has taken his game to another level. Let's just, let's just talk Tim Anderson for a second. Yeah, Nick and I were texting about this the other day, and Nick had a great point. This is a homegrown guy, which 
as you pointed out, the Sox have not hit on all of those guys. We would hear about that pipeline forever with countless guys and the Gordon Beckhams of the world and all those things that never came to fruition. Here's the guy that backs up all the talk. And like you were saying, Joey, honestly, if he would have hit 295 this year, I would have been okay with it because it would have been like, all right, a little bit of regression or maybe the, the league figures him out a little bit after doing some research in the offseason, fine. I'm okay with it. He's still a positive voice and a positive bat. This has been unbelievable. I mean, have the White Sox had a guy that two seasons in a row had been batting champs? I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that got even close to that. I mean, I think Frank Thomas probably got close in those days when he was hitting 330 per season. I know, remember, in the 94 strike year, Frank was going for the triple crown. Right. So I know, I know there's that right there. But, man, a hitting champ on the White Sox, I can't off the top of my head I can't think of one. I mean, yeah, I think some Magli Ordonez seasons where he hit 320, but can't yeah, think Frank of Frank got skunked by those Edgar Martinez seasons where he had like 90 seasons where he hit 360 every year. Um, but I mean, really, Tim Anderson is fun to watch. He brings the joy uh, to the game as well. Um, I love all the bat flipping, all of it. I'll, I'll, I got, I'll take everything he's got. Yeah, you just can't get a lot past him. It's so impressive. Nick, I want to ask you, you know, they, we talked about it earlier. They flipped – Moncada and Eloy in the two spot, move Moncada down. I know Moncada's been struggling. He's had this, this leg soreness, this mystery leg soreness that's been going on for quite a while since I believe he tried to beat out a, a play at first base. He landed awkwardly on the back. I think that seems to be the, the epicenter of where that problem is coming from. Do you like Eloy in the two spot long term? Do you just think maybe it's just working for right now? How do you, how do you feel about that flip? Well, the, the, a one-two combination of Anderson and Aloy is pretty powerful right now. Those guys are just hitting everything in sight into all areas of the field. I like Aloy in the three spot, to be honest with you. Uh, Mankata two would be nice, but I, I'm starting to get some genuine worry about Mankata's legs. I, I really don't know what's what you know. Who am I to question his off-season program? But uh, I'm, I'm worried. It seems like there's been leg issues for the last few years. And, and I get it. He's playing hurt. Um, but maybe it's best to just, you know, sit him for a while. 10-day IL. Um, we're in a really good situation where we don't have to rely on his bat. Uh, I love his glove. But, you know, I feel like we can slide Mendick over perhaps. Uh, I want him to get right. And he just doesn't seem right. There's a lot of wincing and grabbing and, you know, hunched over. And, you know, I love the hustle. Uh, he's been questioned on his hustle in years past. So I love seeing that. But to what extent at this point, you know, because we need him for the postseason. We need a healthy Makata, I think, uh, to do damage uh, in the playoffs. Pat, hop in. And Mendix played a serviceable third base. And, you know, making some good throws, some hard throws for a guy that's not used to playing third all the time. And um, I don't mind it. And like Nick's saying, if we could get uh, Moncada to sit down for 10 days and just kind of try and get right, put Mendick in there, and then you're ready for the postseason, that's the route to go, in my opinion. If you're going to do it, now's the time. Yes. You know, because now once you get to that 2015 game mark, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck. There's a part of me, too, that feels like is Moncada the type of player where they're dealing with that on the north side with Chris Bryant? Is he the type of player where, you know, they call the athletes the Ferraris, where if one little thing is off, they just can't run at the same speed as maybe some other players that they can have bumps and bruises and still grind it out. I'm worried is Moncada that player where he has to be. Everything's got to be running on all cylinders or he just can't be the player that we all think that he can be. Nick, hop in. 
uh, in terms of timing, uh, this huge series with Minnesota uh, then uh, is followed by Kansas City and Pittsburgh. So with a couple days off next week. So I don't want to say like take any team lightly, but this might be a good time to rest Mankata. Could be a nice little siesta too for Pat Reedy because he doesn't like watching no buckos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when your owner doesn't care about your team, why do I care about your team? Excellent point. <laughs> Give me a reason, sir, please. Seriously, it's unbelievable. Their own owner does actively doesn't care about his baseball team and doesn't do anything for them. So I don't know why I want to watch them play baseball. <laughs> Let's get you guys out of here on a lighter note. You know, what do you think Hawk is doing right now? Do you, I mean, is he, I know he's watching the games. He has to be, but you have to think, I'm just trying to picture in my mind what kind of Hawk hyperbole we would be hearing during a season like this with so many young players on there. Maybe, you know, let's get in the hot take of him. What do you think Hawk's hyperboles would be right now about some of these players? Nick, we'll go first to you. <laughs> I, with the way that some of the calls have been going behind the plate, you'd hear a lot of, that is some BS, Tony. That is BS. Um, you know, and I get it. The umps are working through their season too. You'd hear a lot of stretch. But what I hope you would hear is an internal monologue in Hawks saying, boy, I wish I gave Stoney more airtime. Sure <laughs> makes people sound smart. Who knew that Steve Stone was one of the greatest analysts in the land. Oh, uh, Chicago, all Chicago knew that, except for maybe Hawk Harrelson. I think with some of these young players, I think we would be hearing a lot from Hawk of a uh, neck now, Boyanek, uh, trying to coach them through at bats when they probably don't really need it. Or like, you know, trying to tell Eloy to, you know, just, you know, ball four base hit, when, and then he just hits a 440-foot bomb to right center, just like, <laughs> like trying to do some weird coachings. Pat, hop in. Hawk would love to be broadcasting for this team. Oh. There's so, I mean, it's gotta be driving him crazy. Of course, now there's almost little to no travel for these guys now. So Hawk was only doing the home games before. He would have such a cakewalk of a schedule for this. He'd love all these young dudes because he could take them, you know, scotchy breath, uh, you know, across the shoulders and tell them, hey, here's what we used to do. Yes, used to, you know, it would just be so brutal for the guys. But Hawk would be so damn happy. A guy like Nick Magical, like we were talking about before, he would love him and just talk about TWTW. And, uh, and you know, Nick's right. I, I do miss every once in a while when there was a very obvious called strike that was called a ball. That, you got to be believing me. <laughs> I do miss that. But so I do it for myself in my own home. Just yell that out uh, to delight uh, my wife. But um, yeah, man, I, it's got to be driving him a little bit nuts. This is the best baseball that we've seen in a very long time on the south side, and he left just before the train arrived. That's got to be tough. Stone Pony, I've been to five different galaxies in my time, and this is the greatest collection of offensive talent I've ever seen in this galaxy. I'll tell you right now. It's the greatest, greatest ever since Yaz. <laughs> I mean, Benetti's bringing the excitement. Let's give a little love to Benetti real quick. I do say uh, – I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek that we miss Hawk and everything, but truly I think Benetti is a, is a real star in terms of not just Chicago sports presentation of commentary, but probably like anywhere you go across any sport right now. He's, I think he's awesome. Go ahead, Pat. Well, also you can see he's getting – pulled and picked for other sports too. I mean, people are obviously seeing that he does a great job. I think the broadcasts are light. They try to have some fun. They obviously get along really well. 
he gives Stoney room, like you guys were saying earlier, which is all I really want. I want to hear Steve Stone talk the most he can talk. Also, Hawk fought, uh, fought so hard against all the advanced stats and advanced metrics and everything else. And they've done a nice job of not going completely in that direction, but yet showing you some stats and things that help you get a better understanding for your own baseball team, the team that you're playing against. And I love the way that they've integrated, integrated some of the stats. Yeah, their working relationship is really nice. It's light and fun. They like to give each other little jabs here and there, but it's all good natured. And to, I think, the collective point that we're bringing up here, I think the most telling sign was when Giolito was on the precipice of throwing that no-no and Steve Stone on the call opened it up to Benetti and said, you got this one, my partner, not only because he trusts him, but it's like he respects Jason so much that he knows for a young announcer calling a no hitter is one of those, you know, one of those tent poles, one of those great marks in a, in a commentator's career. And I thought that was a really cool mensch move by Stoney letting him do that. But you can tell their working relationship is in good shape because he even brought that type of thing up on the broadcast. Nick, just your general thoughts on Benetti. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like watching a team like the Sox that seem to have fun. It's fun to listen to a broadcast where they're having fun. Like they genuinely like each other. Like the players seem to genuinely like each other. Uh, I do miss sometimes how angry Hawk would get when it was just a bad game and he would stew and be silent because that's how I feel. But I know that's not necessarily the best situation for a broadcast. I hope Hawk still has a place somewhere, you know, when we're able to get back to the stadium and he can't have that ambassador role. Well, he'll still be a part of the organization because he was integral for so many years. And I'm sure, you know, he'll tell you how many decades it was, but if this is the this is the team. Benetti and Stone is the team for this uh, this generational talent. This group of Sox players. Uh, it's so awesome that like that that formation in the booth kind of started to galvanize when the team started to galvanize. Pat, hop in. Yeah, when you're at home googling how long your broadcast team is under contract for, it's probably a great broadcast team like I should be caring about how long we have Lewis Robert and not how long Jason Benetti is going to be at the booth but honest to God these guys make you that excited to watch baseball it's a tough sell in for America right now people are way more into their phones it's slow paced uh, basketball is uh, you know a lot easier for people to get behind but these guys make every second of the baseball game interesting they keep the viewer engaged they keep it fun. They keep it light, like people have been saying. It is, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, and the whole, uh, the whole core of the White Sox team is pretty much locked up for the next five or six years. So, uh, you know, what are we waiting for, basically, at this point? And it's going to be a really fun series, obviously, not a make-or-break series with the Twins and White Sox coming up. But, man, a great litmus test for a team that is young, on a roll, and playing, I think, some of the best baseball that we've seen on the South Side in over a decade. Gentlemen, I think that's going to do it. We're just checking in with our White Sox right now, and they're in first place. Let's see where we are in two weeks, and let's see how high we can climb. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Nick Morawski, check out his podcast, Good Guys Talk Back, fantastic White Sox podcast. They really drill in, and they're giving you the info on the regular about the Southsiders, so definitely check that out. And Pat Reedy, the beard looks fantastic, my friend. It's such a pleasure and honor to have you back on the pod, man. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, buddy. 
Thanks, Joey. This is Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. This episode was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Head to BetOnline.ag and sign up today to get your first free deposit. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. This was the pod. We got tons of stuff coming up this week. We got football, NBA. We'll maybe talk a little Cubs too as well. So make sure you guys check back in. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, be safe, be good, be kind to each other. We will talk then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.